This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Podcast ain't played nobody. Alex, what's happening? Uh, Good guest this week? We have a great guest this week. Uh, We thought that it would be interesting to talk to a coach who... Um, has a little bit more experience than most in coaching through times of um, extraordinary no chaos. Uh, and and no, <laughs> Absolutely no, no football. No football, a good way to put that. Uh, that is Bill Clark, the head coach at UAB, a longtime high school coach, former defensive coordinator at South Alabama, um, and football coaching lifer. Uh, so the conversation uh, is about a half hour. Uh, and was there anything we should make the people aware of, Richard, before we start? Yeah, this is uh, this is your guy in there, right? You're big on UAB. Big UAB. I'm, I'm big on UAB. I think, I mean, UAB has for 2020, if we are able to play football this year, a really interesting team because, you know, you'll remember they shut down the program for a couple of years. Uh, they come back, they, you know, in 2017, they come back. In 2018, they win Conference USA with a roster loaded with junior college players. We'll talk about that a bit with Coach Clark. Uh, and, you know, they are a program that has just kind of been through a ton of chaos in the last few years. And, and um, though there are of course, bigger things uh, than this pandemic's effect on football, this is one of them. So we'll talk about that. Um, and if they are able to play in 2020, we think they're going to be very good because of all the players they have back. Um, you know, they have their, the quarterback back Tyler Johnston who led conference USA in yards per throw last year. Uh, they've got almost all of their top rushers and receivers back. And I think five of their top six tacklers. So interesting team to watch. Yeah, they play uh, really, really good defense. Um, if you missed kind of are not aware of the UAB story, um, go back and read a little bit, uh, 2013, 2014, what was going on with that program, what the uh, University of Alabama Board of Trustees, <laughs> just the Whatever. fact that yeah. they, yeah. like, just what they did to this program at that time um, and what Bill Clark has been able to do since the program, I mean, essentially got a death penalty from its own Board of Trustees, um, is is really really interesting, um, and and Bill Clark is a really fascinating guy for me to be able to kind of bring this program from like literally the ashes to something that's pretty uh, impressive in Conference USA. Uh, real quick before we start, uh, he's going to mention somebody in the interview. The guy's name is Todd Berry. He is the president of AFCA. We've talked about AFC on this podcast, the convention, and the American Football Coaches Association. Basically, every year at the convention, AFCA proposes legislation to the NCAA. That's part of what they do. Um, so what what he's going to mention is how Todd, Todd Berry, um, and the AFCA may be able to help coaches if this becomes a very prolonged uh, no football, what would happen with the schedule and the rules and that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to kind of brace people there uh, to make sure that's explained fully. Um, yeah. So without further ado, this is me and Alex with UAB head coach, Bill Clark. 
Uh, Coach Bill Clark of the UAB Blazers. Uh, Coach, thank you for being with us during what I imagine is an incredibly hectic time for you guys down there in Birmingham. Uh, how are you, first of all? How's your team? How's your coaching staff? Yeah, I think everybody's good right now. We're, uh, you know, just trying to stay connected as best we can. Um, you know, everybody's learning how to, you know, do all this stuff remotely, obviously. Um, you know, we were able to get a few days of spring training in, and then we had spring break. And um, so we had a, a week off that we were, that was scheduled, and, of course, last week. So really this is going into our second week. You are uniquely positioned, uh, and this is one of the, the biggest reasons why we wanted to talk to you to know what it's like to coach through chaos and through not knowing exactly what's next. Uh, given where UAB was a couple of years ago, the program shut down in December of 2014. It takes until the summer of the next year for the program to be reinstated. And during that time, you were a coach without a team. Um, and you've talked before about how your job during that time was to try to find landing spots for players, for coaches, um, and just try to make sure that every individual was okay. Uh, I'm curious, like, did you learn or what lessons did you learn about how to deal with insanity beyond your control uh, during that time period? And, and has that served you in any particular way uh, over the last couple of weeks? Yeah. You know, I think that whole time was really so much about faith and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and belief and really, you know, you know, there was, there was a lot of uncertain time obviously during that time. And so, you know, what was the next step? What was the next move? And, um, you know, so going through that in 14, I guess maybe could kind of somehow get you ready for kind of what we're, you know, we're looking at now. And, um, you know, so I think there's, you know, there's a few things you got to do. One is just, I think communication's big, you know, so I know when we were dealing with those players and finding them homes and all those things, it's just, it's communicating and you want to communicate with good people who are, who are also like-minded and, and have a positive outlook. You know, I always talk about being, half full, not half empty. And, um, you know, I know when you got things going on, I mean, obviously this is some life or death situations, which is really scary for a lot of folks. That's can be different than, you know, whether we're going to play a football game or not. But, um, you know, for our players and coaches, this is their lives. This is how we get paid. This is, you know, the, the life these guys have chosen. So we're just, you know, we're just trying to communicate and uh, stay in touch with our guys and, you know, try and keep a, a semblance of normality, which is communication between coaches and players, coaches and coaches, and um, whether it's about their academics, whether it's about the workouts they're able to do at home, whether it's about um, watching video as coaches on your laptop. I think that communication part probably helps us all. Coach, can you take us through the timeline of, you know, starting to think maybe we may have to shut it down and what you started to hear from your bosses and your superiors on the school side and, and then getting everybody home and making sure they were, you know, settled and everything and then kind of saying, okay, well, what can we do to right. run the program? Yeah, I think for us it was, uh, it was you know, obviously pretty strange. We had had six days of practice uh, and then I usually have my high school coaches clinic at the end of the week, right before um, spring break. So it really works out good. We scrimmage and then I can really devote two days to the high school coaches. Of course, you know, I'm an old high school coach. So <laughs> that's a big deal for me to make sure those guys have really had a good experience. And literally that night we find out, you know, that it's starting to, you know, get a little scary. And This was so, a Friday you're talking about? This was on a Wednesday night. A Wednesday, so, okay. 
Uh, it had not happened. You know, there was not really, you know, but that was right in that, I think the next day is when the NCA shut down the tournament. And so, you know, our clinic was kind of dissipating, you know, we had a big crawfish uh, bowl around lunch and it was dissipating about the same time. And we were letting our players off anyway. So we were probably a little lucky there, but I think the big thing for us was as we started finding out more and more and you saw the dominoes fall, um, you know, it was just, okay, hey, we're going to stay in touch. We're off this next week, but there's a, you know, take your books home with you. Uh, this could be an extended period of time. And so I think that kind of goes back to really this whole thing about us talking to each other and our coaches being very transparent. And, you know, I think that's a big deal is when you, when you really let, you know, as much as you can tell your players and coaches, I always try and do it because I think that way, you know, you're trying to avoid surprises. Obviously none of us knew, to, to what to expect here. But um, I think that that level of communication between all of us is big. Yeah, when you, t- I, I think at the end, you're kind of hitting on something that I, I think is really important is kind of treating these guys like adults yep. and kind of letting them, you know, they can handle this. Yep. Like it's hard, it's tough, but uh, they can handle that. I mean, you know, how honest were you? Were you like, hey, you know, this may become a serious thing where we're not going to be back for three weeks or spring practice may be canceled or that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, I think one thing I don't like to do is I don't like to jump the gun, and yet at the same time, I do want to be extremely honest with them. And, right. you know, we, I meet with them every day in the spring and every day in, in season, and some people say, you know, they don't meet with them. But, you know, I'd just – I'd rather have a five-minute meeting and, you know, I have a bunch of meetings with my coaches just to say, here's what's going on. This is what I'm thinking. I'm just talking on a normal basis. So, yeah. Um, but I want to let them know as much as we knew um, – you know, and once again, you know, I tell them all the time, I mean, you know, there's there's guys there's a age that are serving our country overseas. So, you know, they as you can handle a lot, um, you know, and I think for us to, to keep them abreast of what we know as much as possible really just creates that trust factor. How do you go about keeping them abreast right now? Are you? I mean, we're, we're recording this podcast for anyone listening. We're doing it on Zoom. Obviously, you're not with them in person. Are are you making phone calls to or, and you and you and your you, you and your assistants to dozens of players? Are you having small group meetings and just how are you going about that? Yeah, for us, it's it's literally it's a daily talk. They're you know they're talking to the strength coach, they're talking to academics, and they're talking to their position coach daily. Now that may be a text, you know, it might be a Zoom, it might be different ways. So you know, I think anytime we can get face to face, it's good. And then my goal is. Um, just personally trying to talk to, you know, 10 guys a day, you know, just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text or talk to 10 players a day. And, you know, so really that started last week when I started seeing this thing is going to be prolonged. And I just want them to be able to hear from it. It's amazing when, when they hear from a coach personally. Um, it just – I think there's a big – you know, it's a big sense of relief because they're so used to seeing us. You know, you've been, you've been seeing this strength coach every day. You've been seeing the – the staff daily you've been hearing from me daily and then all of a sudden you don't that's uh and, and a lot of these guys are isolated so I think just as much as we can be in contact with them it's it's very important we're just you know the the meeting part of it we really hadn't started the big group meeting uh, yet I think it's been more individualistic but uh we have asked our guys to share video of them training etc I think there's just an accountability there and I think they want that yeah I'm sure do you find it challenging in any way to keep a team cohesive? And you mentioned that you're having individualized conversations at this point, but to keep a team focused, cohesive when there are, 
you know, frankly, bigger things going on than what any of us do with football? You know, I think you can. Yeah, I think you could. And I think that's why for us, it's all about this. And I know I keep going. It's like I'm beating, you know, a horse here, dead horse. But you do want to talk. You do want to let them know, here's what we're hearing. Here's what we know. And, you know, sometimes that's hard for all of us because we don't all know, you know. Um, I don't think any of us knows. I mean, yesterday, you know, we hear that the deadline, you know, the, you know, we've been pushed back from hoping Easter to maybe end of April and maybe longer. So I think we just tell them what we know um, as much as possible. Uh, and then, like I said, the, the normalcy of academics and, and workouts, anything they can do that can be as normal as we can make it. You know, we're talking about their nutrition. We're talking about things that, that you know, and of course this is new, this is new for us, so we're just trying to communicate best we can. Uh, for you kind of running the staff and coordinating with your staff, what are, what are you doing to kind of keep their time filled during the day? You know, they're not scripting a practice. What, what's the homework you're giving them? Yeah, I think for us it's just, okay, uh, let's watch opponent film. Let's uh, offensively, you know, I know we're talking about playbook things that we were going to add, same thing defensively, same thing special teams, you know, and it's, hey, let's, by the end of this week, let's have looked at X opponent, you know. Um, let's have gotten these things done in the playbook. And, and then I'll hear from the coordinators at night kind of about some of those things. And, of course, we've all got our laptops. So we're just – I think we're all trying to stay as busy. Obviously, there's a lot of good family time built in there for all of them that in my business, you know, is really hard to come by. Um, between players and recruiting and all the things that's going on. Also got the recruiting side of it. We're in a dead period. Um, but there's things, you know, that are being done with graphics. And, you know, if nothing else, just trying to put the best foot of your program forward, where, whether it's, you know, showing old games or whatever. And I see, you know, I keep up with the different coaches and just see innovative way guys are keeping up with their players or putting their program out there, kind of keeping that on the forefront. When it comes to, to game planning and install and, and kind of self-scouting, in a way, are you guys kind of able right now to make up for some of the deficiencies? Like, I, I know you don't have an army of analysts or whatever, but because of the time right now, are you guys able to do some stuff that maybe kind of gets pushed to the side because you've got practices or, or right. something in a normal march? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, you know, it's kind of – I've related it to our coaches. This is kind of like NFL coaches where you're not – you know, you're not seeing your players every day. You're not on the road recruiting, so you've got more film time. Um, so it's a more of a chance to study yourself, study opponents, or study whether it's NFL teams or anybody that we like out there to maybe see some things. Now, that's – you kind of do that in that January, February, but, you know, in January everybody's on the road. So – um, this is really kind of giving us a chance to do some film study. And I'm sure it's happening across the country, you know, uh, with guys sitting there and they got their laptops. So I, no telling what's going to come out of all this film study from everybody. <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you think for the average fan who let's, – let's hope, obviously, that there is college football this fall. What do you think the average fan – will be able to tell was different because there was no spring ball or because spring ball was cut short. Are we going to see teams playing really sloppy football? Do you think that through a very involved fall camp, that kind of thing could be gotten over? I think so. I think coaches adapt so well. And, you know, of course, I'm a, my dad was a coach. I was a high school coach, college coach now, you know, for years. And I'm just a fan of coaches. And I, I really know that they will adapt. And, heck, you may see more innovation than you've seen with all these guys with <laughs> time on their hands, you know. Uh, but I think if we, you know, as long as we have ample amount of time to train, um, you know, I think all of us, obviously, we would love to think, 
you know, we're seeing these guys in May, maybe more realistic, it's June. Um, and so I think as long as we have some months to train before August, we'll be fine. Um, you know, we won't as long as we can get, obviously, because that's going to, you know, when we had the recruiting built in. So that, you know, that might be a moot point right now, uh, other than remote recruiting. So, but I, I think knowing coaches like I know them, they'll, they'll get it handled. All right. So uh, do you think that maybe there needs to be extra practices built into fall or anything like that? Is that something you'd like? Obviously, I know you'd like more time with them, but. Yeah, I think Todd Berry um, put some good things out to the coaches in, in our in AFCA email. And Todd does a great job for us, you know, being a former coach. And I think some of the things we talk about is maybe OTAs like the NFL has. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways. You know, when we were in high school, we could get a football out in the summer. So I think they're going to give us some different ways to, um, you know, to get with our guys. And, and you know, there's just going it's uncharted territory. So they're going to have to come up with some new ways to, to allow us to be with them. Uh, I'm, I do wonder about, you mentioned recruiting and, and all of the kind of time shortcomings that you have actually seeing people in person right now. You'd mentioned as well, coaching clinics to, to this effect, but I do wonder like how much of your evaluation process has to change because you can't have kids out for camps this spring um, to say nothing of, you know, potentially issues getting on the road later on. But um, do you worry about not being able to have just like that in-person period on campus with kids who might come out to a camp in most years? Yeah. You know, I think our camps, most of our camps would start in June. So that's going to be a big deal. You know, that June, that month in June where we do mega camps and we do, you know, the mini camps, we call them, they're, you know, the two hour camps, um, maybe whether you had seven on seven on your camp, I think that could really change. Um, there's probably more, visits on campus than you know than there ever has been where kids actually come to you on these unofficial visits but I think the camps I mean really it's so hard to put a, a whatever what that price will be paid for them not to get to come and be looked at by the coach and also for them to get to interact with the coach if we lose the June camps um, because July has really become a big dead period for us most all the way through so I'll wonder personally does that change you know um with the fact of can we get them in June? Now, you know, if we can get them in June for camps, I think we're going to be okay. Do you have any, and obviously we're, we're months down the line from where this would have to become a reality, but in the event that let's say June was interrupted and it was hard to get camps out there and it was hard to take advantage of any other evaluation opportunities, do you see coaches taking really small classes for 2021 just because they're not sure and they want to wait until they can watch more football the next cycle? I don't know. I don't know how what that ripple effect would be. Um, possibly, you know, I mean, I don't know that we can really say a, a, a definitive, but um, I think, you know, there's all kinds of things that could happen with that. Hopefully, you know, if we can get see them in June, we're good. And if, if they maybe in July, they open that back up um, if we can't to allow for um, to see them. And then if you can't do that, then I don't, I can't, I don't know yet. That'd be, I'd be speculating to, to figure that one out. So for you, you're, you're, you guys are relatively business as usual, unless kind of June gets scuttled. That's when you guys will start to kind of start figuring something out different. Yeah, that's what I was saying today, just in some talks with some, some, some of our conference folks and others was, I think if we can get to June, you know, uh, people get out of school in April and different times, coaches are on the road. There's really not a lot going on other than finals and then they visit home during May. So, 
Um, I think if we get back to June, we'll be business pretty much as normal. I think if it's, you know, then when you start going July and on, it's going to start changing a lot of things. Have you given much thought at all to even the, the possibility of an interrupted season and what that might mean for you, what it might look like? I hadn't, to be honest, and you know, and I think maybe that's that half full thought. Of, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna be fine, and, and uh, just pray that everybody's good. And, and of course, you know, just and I say this, being at a a, a, you know, a great hospital, university, um, you know, and so I guess we're so in touch with with patient care, and it's so ingrained in our whole what we do at UAB that, um, you know, that, that's our first concern. You know, I'm. I'm I'm just worried that we're getting these people safe and our kids are safe and our coaches are safe. And, um, but I, you know, I mean, obviously in the back of your head, you're like, okay, what if these things happen? And I think that's what we do. We plan, you know, we try and plan as much as we can and, and be ahead of the curve. But um, I hadn't really let myself go there yet and hope we don't. Yeah. Very much understandable. Um, I do want to ask you, I mean, we've talked about, the chaos that this could create and that this has put programs in, uh, you know, among many other organizations at this time. Um, but I'm curious, you know, let's say that 2020 football gets played um, and, and that, you know, things get back on the track um, as soon as we could all hope that they would. Uh, seems like you have a really interesting team uh, in 2020 at UAB. Uh, I know that you'd only gotten a little bit of a look in, in spring practice, but it strikes me that you have a ton of guys back this year. Uh, you know, off a conference championship game team last year. Uh, what can you tell us about the 2020 UAB Blazers and, and why you all be an interesting team? Well, I think, you know, if you look at last year's team, that was a team I was really concerned about because I made the choice to go with, you know, a lot of junior college players. That's pretty well documented. And, and, and knowing that the year after that was going to be the year was our biggest concern. And, you know, I just – it was either go junior college and then start backfilling it or go high school and, and maybe not win a game or two for the first two years. <laughs> and, uh, so last year I knew we were going to be young um, and we were going to obviously replace that whole group that we're all playing. So, uh, you know, nothing is guaranteed, nothing is promised us looking to next year, but it sure is nice to have a lot of guys, you know, with a lot of experience coming back and, um, you know, I looked in that last scrimmage before spring break two weeks ago, or I guess two and a half weeks ago now, and we did have about 20 guys out that had a lot of guys we fixed labrums and knees. And But, you know, I think for us just having this experience, and, and I saw it in our January and February workouts were, were so good. And, uh, you know, that's what I hate to see because we were just – we were rolling really good with just great leadership. And, you know, we really talked a lot about being a player-led team. And I tell coaches this all the time when I'm talking to coaches, you know, in clinics, et cetera, is, you know, it's always going to be a coach-led team. But as much player-led as it can be, the better we're going to be. And uh, I think, you know, we've done a lot of, of meetings beyond just team meetings, but senior meetings and returner meetings and, you know, asking for this leadership and probably as good as I've been around. And so, you know, I don't know how good we'll be, but I know from uh, what I've seen out of our players from training, et cetera, has been really good. You, uh, you actually kind of brought up injuries. Uh, what are you a little bit anxious uh, from you that you kind of, you're not getting a daily trainer report where your trainers are hands on with the guys. Yep. You know, they, I assume they're kind of texting and FaceTiming, but you know, they're not testing the ankle and testing the yep. knee every day. Correct. Yeah. I think we are able to get in a few of the guys that, um, 
you know, that were some of our major cases. Our schools let those guys come in, you know, safely. But I think those guys that had the high ankle sprain or had the the shoulder or, or whatever that was, that, that's a concern. I mean, I think that's um, – that's one of my worries right now that I know I would be seeing them and I know what they're saying. And I think that was one of the big things about these, these videos where, where, you know, this, our trainer who does a great job can see the mobility, but it's not like putting his hands on them. So I'm, I'm be honest with you. That's a good point because I am concerned about that. I wanted to ask you on the roster building that you got, you know, you mentioned how heavily you went on junior college players when you were bringing the program back, which, you know, clearly was a necessary thing to restock and be competitive. Um, Do you view that as a, uh, like, don't try this at home kids type move for coaches who are recruiting or, or do you feel like you got away with one by not having a crash last year? I'm wondering, because it's kind of an unprecedented roster building situation that you were in. And it seems like it worked out uh, about as well as you could have possibly dreamt. Yeah, we were definitely blessed. I, you know, I think when I came, and I've said this many times, when we went out on the field in 17 and I realized that 90-something percent of that team had never played an FBS game, you know, because they'd been in JUCO or high school. And, and it was almost 100% of that team, other than those few returners I had who were young, and some of those had not seen the field uh, in 14. So to survive that – and bringing these guys literally from all around the country. I mean, and that was one of the biggest things that a California and a Texas and a New York kid and an Alabama and a you know, they were just all these personalities coming from a junior college world where it was very, and I use the term mercenary, not in the worst sense, but just that's what they were coming from. And, but we had a little extra time to get them ready. And then last year was the one I was really concerned about. Um, so I think to survive that, and to be kind of where we are, I'm just extremely thankful. And, you know, I always say it's the – it was the best, worst thing that ever happened. You know, it was the worst thing, and you would not – I would never want to go through it again, but it allowed us to go raise $60 million and build these new facilities. And now we got this new stadium, you know, that the, that this our whole community came together on. So I think all those things got us where we are. Uh, but, you know, I sure wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> I, uh, you know, when you look at the, the stats and the numbers that you guys put together, um, you guys were at pretty lights out on defense throughout that season. Um, but I have kind of a broader kind of defensive theory question, I guess, as, as an old school defensive coach like yourself, as the game has changed, uh, do you recalibrate what you think and what you coach is good defense? You know, you can't shut everybody out anymore. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think we all have had to, and this probably happened, you know, 10 years ago. And, you know, and I, I still remember Coach Saban and I were having a conversation about defense. And uh, this was like 2013, we were at a thing. And, and he said, basically to the fact of, did I hear that you're running tempo offense? And uh, he said, that's the worst thing that ever happened to paraphrase. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we're going to use it. And I said, no, the worst thing that ever happened was holding. <laughs> and uh, he, he looked at me. He said, no, it was tempo. I said, no, we don't all have nine and nine or ten five-star D linemen that can throw guys <laughs> on the ground. And I don't even know if he would remember this conversation. It's been so long. But um, I think the point of all the rule. I mean, they really have. We've, we've liberalized the rules so much for the offense. And I think specifically coming from high school to college and seeing – what had happened with the advent of big guys that can grab people. And, and 
you know, we just don't see holding called anymore. And you put that with a fast-paced offense, beside all the, you know, just the amount of video and study that's going on with offenses now. And, you know, really that spread was kind of a high school up deal. Um, you know, it was kind of going on with what Kentucky was doing. But really, I think we kind of took it in high school and took the – putting the option in it and all the different things that, that we all did. And then it started becoming a college thing with the advent of a more mobile quarterback. But I'd say defensively now, it's just so hard to put a good defense out there. And um, I think we've all – just like I said, we've all had to adapt. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things we've talked offensively this offseason. We've got to score. I mean, because the rules are so – um, so tilted toward the offense, I think. And, um, you know, so it's finding ways defensively to safely stay physical, safely tackle, and all these things um, that we've all learned to do. And I think, obviously, the game's better for it, but we've all had to adapt. You, uh, you mentioned holding. Is, is holding the bigger bugaboo for you or the ineligible man downfield where it's an RPO and you got three yeah. interior linemen yeah. seven yards down the field? It's holding. It really is. And I think it's um, – I think we've all and, – and, and, you know, it's really not holding anymore. So, I think years ago we all quit saying, hey, don't complain about it. But I think what happens defensively when you do that, you're basically saying it's okay to be blocked. And so, um, you got to still have that mindset that you're not going to let this guy just tackle you. So, you've got to be a technician. You've got to be uh, better. But, you know, you put – the stretch and, 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 and an RPO and a fast-paced offense and trick plays. And, you know, it's tough on a defense. And of course, we, we teach our defensive guys no excuses. You know, we still got to get it done. So it's interesting. It seems to me like Conference USA has been a league that more than most has maybe been on the forefront of this going back. I mean, who knows how long. I, mean, I think at least back to the, the Jeff Brom WKU teams, but I'm sure that there have been many. Um, do you feel like you have had any kind of a like jump start on teams in certain other conferences and figuring out how to defend, you know, the RPO, the spread game because of that experience? I think when I came from high school, literally when I came from high school to college in in 2008, I thought I had a jump start on defending the spread. I really did a big jump start. I think what's happened with what our conference has done a great job of. Uh, offensively has made us all grow. You know, whether you're talking about uh, whether you're talking about La Tech, you're talking about North Texas, you're talking about Western Kentucky, you're talking about FAU. I mean, you're talking about guys that really do a really good job offensively in a bunch of different ways. So we're probably as innovative as anybody. And I think that, you know, that, that makes our conference better. I'm curious, do you see the league? I mean, it looks from the outside to be extremely wide open for 2020. Um, not just saying that because FAU has a new coach, but just because of the uh, you know the parity around the conference the last few years, the kind of parity that allows a school like UAB to shut down for two years and win a conference title two years after that. Am I right that it's a wide open league? Do you see it that way? I do. I think we've got a bunch of good coaches. I think we've got a bunch of people who do a good job. And, um, you know, and you see what happens when we go play in the bowl games. I mean, we've, I think three out of five years we won the best overall record against the other conferences among, you know, in, in our conference. So, you know, we're pretty proven when it comes to playing outside of our conference. And, you know, I think all of us, you know, just due to financial constraints, you know, don't we don't have the resources that the SEC and the Big 12. So we've got to be more innovative. We've got to find the diamonds in the rough, so to speak. And, 
you know, I mean, just bragging on my place. I mean, we're sitting here with Birmingham, Alabama, uh, 17 straight years, the number one football watching city per capita in America. We've got the new stadium. We've got all our stuff. You know, so there's a lot of good things going on at our place, and there's a lot of good things going on in our league. I want to ask you, and then I'm going to let you go on this one, Coach. It strikes me that something wild um, is always going on around your program or maybe just around college football in general, um, really going back to the end of 2014 when the program shuts down. Um, you've got a board of trustees that does not allow the, pro- the program to operate for a few months. You come back. You're back in business by 2017. Um, you have an amazing comeback in 2018. You have kind of a reset last year, but you're still in a conference title game. All right, things are getting back to normal. Okay, you have a global pandemic. Kind of is going to append some things. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned you have a new stadium coming in 2021. I, I'm just curious, and I'd let you go on this. What do you see as UAB's place in college football in normal times, whenever those normal times finally might arrive? You know, I think it's really going to be great. I really do. I think this this stadium is not just, you know, some spiel. I'm giving, It's going to be a game changer for our city. You know, Legion Field is is very historic, but it's you know was it's just oh it's just run down. The new stadium will be a partnership between the city, the county, UAB, and it's going to be right off the interstate, so it's going to be very visible, state of the art. Uh, I think that's one thing. You know, as many good things that's been happening at our place, um, along with what's happening at UAB, the school. You know, so I think we're going to be right there. You know, my goal is to be a top twenty-five team every year and challenge for conference championships. That's what I've said. So I think we're heading in that direction and just a lot of good things going on at our place that are, are really helping the overall uh, Birmingham is really on the uptick. So I think all those things really make UAB an exciting uh, contender, so to speak for, for those things. Awesome. Um, Coach, really appreciate your time. I think we're right at about a half hour, so let you get back to it. But um, this was great. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, guys, and thanks for promoting college football. And um, just once again, I know, like everybody's saying, thoughts and prayers for everybody, and especially appreciative for the the people that are out there working for all of us and, um, you know, in the medical field. So appreciate y'all for for doing this. Coach, thanks for your time. We hope you and and your staff and your team all stay healthy. Okay, God bless. Y'all be safe. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back with Alex. We are done with Bill Clark. Alex, I like that. He's a really interesting guy. Um, he is a really interesting guy. Yeah, he's, he's. I feel like he has lived an entire football life in like the last four or five years. Um, with, and I mean, like, know, and to, to not to like overstate it, but like they're consistently good. I mean, like they went yeah. not, what nine and four this year, and that was nine a and step five. Back. Yeah. That was the yeah. step back. Right. I mean, we were talking before the interview. I I, mean, I think I was vaguely aware in the back of my mind because um, I remember it that they had played in that game in the conference championship against FAU last year. Got crushed in that game. But like I had it in my mind for some reason that they had a much harder crash than they did um, just because I knew about the way that they had built their roster coming out of the shutdown. And the fact that they were decent, more than decent. I mean, they were a good, good conference USA good, team. solid team. In, in 2019 is really shocking because when you load up with, 
it was dozens. Like, I think they took a 50-man class one year that the NCAA allowed them to take. They made some exceptions. And it was like 40-ish junior college players. You should at some point have a massive, <laughs> massive crash when you do that. It's not advisable, um, you know, unless you're in a really extenuating circumstance. And they just didn't. So it's very impressive. Yeah, unless you're like Kansas State, the UAB's level of JUCO, like UAB's JUCO hit rate is really, really impressive. Um you know, the ability to scout these guys, bring them in and hit consistently hit. Um, it, it is really impressive. Yeah. And you look at what they have back, you know, on their roster for 2020, if we're able to play this football season and it feels like they are now free and clear of any real roster management related problems from a two year shutdown that was, you know, not even a half decade ago at this point. And that's, absurd um you know they they are a i think a frontline conference usa contender if they're back you know we mentioned tyler johnson at quarterback who um, was one of the most explosive passers in the conference last year they got their top three running backs back they got all of their receivers of consequence back except for their starting tight end i believe um and you mentioned the defense that just like absolutely has shut teams down for going on two years by the modern understanding of shut teams down you yeah know, i mean look they're top 30 SP on defense i mean it's it's impressive yeah, and they were, I believe, very good on defense in 2018 as well. So they're, they're working on a couple years in a row um, of being one of the better defensive programs in college football. I do remember I had a conversation. Uh, I was on a train with uh, Ryan Nanny, and we were having a conversation. Uh, this was when Tennessee was, like, bad, bad. We were having the legitimate conversation, like, what happens if UAB beats Tennessee? Um, that was yeah. on the table. Obviously, I- Tennessee handled their business in that game. But that was on the table at one point in the season, given how UAB started and how Tennessee started. <laughs> Have we looked at UAB's 2020 schedule? We sure haven't. You want to bring that up, big guy? We, we are bringing it up as we speak. And and look, a, a lot of winnable games on the schedule. And there's one that is very interesting to me because it is a Thursday night. They are playing at Miami. And we have no Ooh, idea. We have we know that Miami has Your the word's not mine. We, I'm not saying what will happen, but I'm just saying that Miami's record in its last two games against Conference USA teams is what, Richard? That'd be 0-2. That would be 0-2. And I believe they scored no points in their last game. And UAB knows a thing or two about defense. And Miami has all kinds of uncertainty. We're not saying anything is going to happen. We're just saying. I, when he talked about um, – he, he was talking about the train – like guys that are hurt and that kind of stuff. I think that is a thing that we are I, – I understandably underselling as like a college football viewing public. Like – there's a lot bigger uh, public health issues right now than your linebacker's high ankle sprain. But uh, it is interesting to me the – I mean, he copped to a literal level of anxiety about – because, like, in – in um, I kind of want to bring people in the curtain. In the team meeting, the staff meetings that coaches have every day – Typically, if there was a practice that day, typically, or if there is a practice that day, a trainer will sit in and give a legitimate, like, hey, you know, John Smith, ankle, 80%, or, you know, Tom Allen, you know, knee is really close to being back, or he's kind of fudging it, or we should push him a little bit harder, that kind of, like these, the coaches are very in tune with what happened, and I think the cascade of, I mean, obviously they're not in school, but the cascade of them not being on hand at campus is that, you know, the trainers can't get their hands on these guys, can't test out these joints, can't test out these ligaments, you know, you don't know what the heck these guys are doing um, at home, 
you know, to either stay off, you know, whatever it is or, or not use it too much or anything. You know, you hope they're just hanging out, playing video games, doing the workouts and doing their schoolwork. But, you know, you never know Like what happens if you've got a wide receiver who's stir crazy and goes out with his brother and his cousin and now, you know, screws up and twists an ankle. It's it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the kind of thing that I think lays bare even more like the absurdity of that. Let's have a season in July thing that was going around this week on the internet. Oh, um, yeah, I'm that, not. There's I'm which, not putting which, any credence into that. No, we're not putting any credence into that. But it's part of the part of the reason that anyone uh, doing fanfic about that um, as a possibility. Um, another reason why it is impossible. In addition to the idea of playing in hundred degree heat and like million percent humidity. Yeah. Also, the the decided uh, the decided schematic advantage of not having anything to do. To kind oh, yeah. of catch up to like you know the Alabamas like they I I don't even want to know what Kirby Smart's assistants assistants to the assistants are doing right now what kind of self scouting tape grinding those guys are doing right now <laughs> no uh, I'm sure that it is inhumane and there are a lot of people watching film for like something going on like what 18 hours a day 20 yeah. hours a day the uh, uh, the yeah. mind truly boggles there. The one thing that I, I also found striking um, that I want to talk about with you is that I've gotten a sense, you know, just in general, but um, especially from from Bill here, I don't think that coaches. I mean, I think that he's pretty clear eyed about what could happen, and and is you know obviously taking this um, day by day and looking at the same things that we are. I think coaches are going to have a really tough time with the possibility of a delayed or no season. Like it's it's almost hard because these guys just breathe it so much that like even contemplating the possibility that you won't have that for a year uh, seems extremely difficult for football coaches right now. I don't like, and we're we're not saying that that's the most important group, but you know, no, like I don't want to even put this on a football. Like Alex, it is absolutely, I I cannot fathom that there won't be football in September, September one. I'm serious. Like it is, it is so, and look, maybe I'm just, Maybe my hard wiring is broken. We need to take me for tune-up. But, like, the concept that on the first Saturday in September, I won't be watching Florida play football is un... I I can't get there right now. And I understand the NCAA tournament's canceled. I understand the Premier League canceled. I understand pro sports are canceled and all that kind of stuff. But it just... It is so... I I, I don't know. It is a... You know, I've said this to people when I when I talked to the people that asked me, I'm like, look, first and foremost, if we're still dealing with this at this level in September, which obviously very wise could very well could be, but I mean, like, we got bigger fish to fry as a society than just, you know, we can't play football. If we, you know, if we're at this level mid-September, mid-October, there's way bigger fish to fry than just we don't have football, we don't have sports. But yeah, just the concept that like there won't be college football is such, I think for me personally, just like a very um, a very tree-shaking thing for me, just like emotionally and like just how I plan my year and my leisure activities, you know, not even to speak about our job, like that kind sure. of stuff. Um, the, the, I, I, I'm with them in like not being able to get there. I think conceptually you can think about it conceptually. I think it, it, it almost is something that is so far off. You can kind of say, oh, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it, that kind of thing. Um, but also for a guy like him, who's kind of like a real stakeholder here, I can kind of, I also may kind of understand that he may need kind of like 
the um the, the word from on high that there's no football <laughs> i think he's kind of planning that there will be football until uh his own bosses come down and say that there won't be yeah no absolutely and i suspect that i would probably handle it the same way and uh in our own jobs we'll, we'll probably continue to handle it the same way yeah i like i'm to be honest with you i'm not really gonna handle no football season well that's gonna be Gonna be some long weekends, buddy. There'll be some hobbies. Be some hobbies, baby. We'll we'll find some hobbies. Start Um, fucking soap carving or something. Yeah. Um, but folks, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh hope you enjoyed the interview. Um again, think think Bill Clark's a pretty interesting uh guy to hear from. Um, and we really enjoyed it.